Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Mr. Andrew Donaldson, commentator, Young Voices, and also managing editor of Ordinary Times Magazine and a widely published writer. Andrew, thank you for being on the show. How are you? Uh, very happy to be with you and appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to chop it up about Biden's administrative uh, order as it relates to COVID vaccines. Um, and also the additional action pending in court. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this topic. So we will give you an opportunity to share your sentiment freely. Sure, well, there's two aspects to you and you just touched on both of them. There's the legal aspect of this and there's the policy aspect. The legal aspect we have seen the Fifth Circuit has stated at least temporarily. That is one of the more conservative courts in the country. So we're gonna have to see where that goes. And then there's the policy side of it. The Biden administration is using OSHA to try to go with the vaccine mandates is what we're calling it. Now to be fair, that's probably not the best term to use for this because there are some different options and there are at least three different rules inside of what the Biden administration is trying to do here. They are still allowing folks to do a testing requirement on the side if they do not get the vaccine in most cases. So there's a lot to unpack in both of those and they're running parallel to each other. The court case is gonna take a while, but there is precedence for this. For example, OSHA, they've done this about 10 times, these emergency orders, these emergency efforts to do workplace safety. And they've got a little bit of a mixed reaction to it. About four of them have been put down, a fifth one was vacated and sat down. But the the legal side and the policy side of these mandates are something that needs to be talked through. They need to be discussed. It goes to not just vaccines and things like this, also goes to good governance and how those things are being done. We're losing some of that conversation with some of the other things and some of the folks that are not good faith actors in this debate. But at the heart of this, and if this goes to the Supreme Court, which a lot of people think, it's not actually gonna go up as a vaccine mandate case. It's going to go as a government case and how government and regulation works. That's something that we need to talk about. And it's something I don't think we're talking enough about actually. Man, I think you're 100% right. And thank you for pointing out the fact that this is not really a COVID mandate per executive order because of the allowances to not get the COVID vaccination, right? So it's not a COVID vaccination mandate. I call it a COVID vaccination protocol is what the executive order has actually implemented. Because one, the company has to have 100 employees or more to even qualify under the basis. Two, there is an exemption for religious and philosophical differences and three, um, the protocol itself uh, is under the emergency temporary standard, uh, which means that it can only exist, I think, per law for 90 days. And then you have to actually do something legal, statutory, uh, statutorily or through the court system in order for it to be a mainstay. Um, uh, so this is a protocol and as you said, the testing. Right, so you can always test once every seven days. Um, I do believe the federal government should eat the cost of that test. I don't think the companies or the individuals should, but that's a different debate, all right? Mm. It's not a mandate, it is a protocol. Um, let's go to the law of it, because I really feel you on the um, parallel challenges that are happening right now. So let's go back to the original doctrine that allows for OSHA to regulate. And according to the statute that was passed, um, I think this was in 1970, it derived its power from the Commerce Clause of the US Constitution. Right. So when you look at the Commerce Clause, 
It basically allows, and this has been validated by multiple Supreme Court decisions, including United States versus Darby, that says, hey, you know, the Congress has this ability to create regulatory agencies that can enact something called administrative law without going through the process of an actual legislative agenda or a legislative protocol. Okay, we get that. So OSHA exists by way of the Commerce Clause and was codified in 1970 by way of a statutory act. We get that. And we have been here before with OSHA regulations. Let me read something that I think gets missed in this. It says, based on the findings and purpose of what OSHA can do. According to Congress, this agency is a purpose for public policy through the exercise of its powers to regulate commerce among several states and within foreign nations and to provide for general welfare. It goes on to say, that these particular issues can be personal injury issues or to stop from personal injury or illness arising out of work situations. So the legal or the linear logic is that OSHA has a responsibility to say, if there's something at a workplace in America that can rise to the level of serious injury or illness based on statute, OSHA is the only regulatory agency that could truly enforce a protocol like this. If we have a problem with it, we must look at the law that already exists. And possibly that may be a debate, but right now that law is in place and no one is talking about repealing that law. I don't see how you get to a different judicial decision without talking about the law that empowers the federal government through the agency of OSHA to do exactly what they do. Do you see it differently than I do? Uh, not too differently, and a lot of the legal folks that I'm reading, like you are, I'm trying to educate myself on what they agree with you on that. In fact, it's even more explicit because the 1970 law that brought OSHA into being, yeah. and the Biden administration has cited this explicitly in putting this policy together. There was a grave and grave danger clause, and they are saying the epidemic is a grave danger. Now, in Norman parlance and the language, that makes perfect sense. We have 750,000 plus dead. Obviously, COVID is a grave danger. So now is that a policy grave danger? Is it the legal standard of grave danger? And it goes to all that case law, a lot of Supreme Court case law over the Commerce Clause of view is rightly put out. Now, here's the one problem that the Biden administration might have got into a little trouble with. They're also saying this is an emergency situation and they put it off until January. Now, even in their rebuttal to the Fifth Circuit, they also said kind of confusingly, they put out the fact that they said, well, this is not gonna be going into effect until January, so you shouldn't be ruling on it anyway. That sort of thing they need to tighten up their messaging on, even though they have some legal precedent and we think they're gonna win that in the long term, even if the court nibbles on the edges of it. This is a messaging problem the Biden administration is gonna have to clean up. Like you said, there's a lot of case law to it, but getting it into the policy realm, now you're talking messaging, now you're talking convincing people, now you're talking at some point, like you said, these emergency provisions, at some point you're gonna have to put them in the legislative black and white, not just in terminology for us to discuss. That's where this issue is gonna get a lot more hairy going down the road. Yeah, man, I actually concur with that. I think because they have not been significantly strategic on the messaging, some judge is going to ask, when do we start the countdown? Yeah. Because statutorily, the ETS has a chef life. 
And once that chef life expires, you have to move to a bureaucratic phase, which allows for public comment, by the way, and public narrative and discourse. You don't get to that stage until the time expires. So I agree with you on that, man. Democrats are horrible at messaging that nothing new there. The other part of this that I find really interesting, and maybe you can provide some clarity here. There are people who say, and maybe you're not one of them, but there are people who say, well, vaccination mandates are a violation of civil liberty. A mandate for a vaccine is a violation of civil liberty. And I always challenge thinkers, conservative thinkers in particular, who say something like that without context and caveat. Because for decades, we've had vaccination mandates. We've had vaccination passports in the United States, K through 12 education, 100% of K through 12 education requires a vaccination regimen in order to attend that institution. You have to show proof of it, which is your vaccination passport. 90 plus percent of college campuses require it, 98% of private institutions require it. So we've been at the mandate of vaccination place as a country culturally and policy wise. Was it a violation of civil liberties then? Um, and if it was not, how is this a violation of civil liberties today? I think the distinction would be if we were strapping people into chairs and putting shots in their arms forcibly, then you have a very strong case for a civil liberty thing. Again, we are still talking about consequences for not getting your vaccination as opposed to holding people down and getting them. Again, we're going, we're talking about case law that became policy. The case law for this is pretty settled in America for 116 years. The Jacobson decision, then there was a Zuch versus King decision, which is the school element of that. But even in that, there's a policy debate because the those things, especially the school decision that you pointed out, every kid has had to have vaccinations and people should be consistent. If they didn't have a problem with vaccinations before, they need to eloquate why this specific COVID vaccination is a bigger problem. And there may be some reasons for that that they can articulate. But that's been settled law for a long time. Folks need to kind of back up and think for a second. Is it that you want a mandate? that we already talked about that can be a nomenclature problem. Is it a nomenclature problem with the word of saying mandate where you're saying they're making you do this? Or is it that I just don't like all the consequences that's coming from us? If we go back through history, things like polio, things like smallpox, really awful diseases that we have almost completely eliminated. It came from societal consequences that those people would have to be removed from society until they were vaccinated. And there was a lot of debate. Remember, they actually screwed up the polio vaccine so bad, they put the live virus virus in and actually killed people accidentally. And Eisenhower had to go on TV and go, no, 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 this is gonna work out and calm the public down. So there's a lot of back history to this that I think we're not getting in the moment right now. So when you say civil liberties, that's probably a step too far in saying that's how people are being violated. Let's yeah. not confuse rights and liberties with preferences and consequences, it's very go. important because, because if you say that I have a right to do something, you do have a right to do that. You do not have a right to not have consequences for that decision. Mm. That's where we need to be hashing this debate out and, and kind of turn off all that noise of people that are wackadoos and want to talk about nanobots going into your vaccines <laughs> and all that. That's not where the debate is. The debate yeah. is good governance. What's the proper way to administer governance? What's the proper way to get the most people possible vaccinated? What's the way to convince them and reason with them? And then say, okay, you have a right to not do this, but this is how society is gonna to have to structure itself. But you can't just say that. Like you said, we have to put it in law. It has to be in black and white, not just buzzwords, not just what we're saying on social yeah. media. Are you a man of faith? Are you a Christian man? Uh, I'm I'm with Johnny Cash. I'm a C-minus Christian, <laughs> but I'm trying to put it. 
Well, listen, I'm a Christian man. I'm a progressive, and some people would argue my Christianity. I stand on it. Um, I recall even in the Old Testament, when individuals had a virus, had an infectious disease, what did they do? They had to be separated from the camp. And if they refused to go through the cleansing process, they were restricted on what they could access or not access. That was biblical law, why? Because it was common sense. And it's amazing to me how many Christian evangelicals who say they believe they adhere to a biblical standard even more so than I do. I, I say all the time, God gave me a brain before he gave me a book. But they adhere to more of a scriptural standard and they forget that infectious diseases have been around since civilization. Mm-hmm. And there were protocols in scripture that are very similar to protocols today. Uh, that said, if you refuse to go through this process in order to not not infect others, then you are restricted in the societal construct in which you exist. Nothing different, it's very, very similar today. Uh, One of the things you brought up uh, was the uh, judges and uh, how this is going down the route of judicial uh, summary at some point, there will be an, an order here. Here's the big, I don't want to say problem, maybe challenge with our justice system, with our courts. When we say grave danger, right? When we say, okay, we can do this because it represents grave danger. That's a very um, subjective standard. Now we will say it's objective, that's just words. Because really the interpretation of that law is going to rest with somebody in a black robe. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be very subjective to who that judicial operator is. Agreed? Uh, Yes, and thankfully we're dealing with US law, which is complicated as it is, at least it ain't (laughs) Levitical law, which is a big old hot mess. (laughs) Uh, So let's be thankful for that. Thank God we're all Americans. Uh, Yes, this is gonna go through court. It's already in court. We have the stay in the Fifth uh, Circuit. Now the Fifth Circuit is probably one of, if not the most conservative circuits we have. It's more conservative than the Supreme Court is. But again, I would fall, and I'm not a lawyer on this, I'm just reading on it. But let's fall back a little bit on what we know. This is is a lot of established case law when you start talking about school mandates, when you talk about OSHA mandates. Again, if this goes to the Supreme Court, this is not going to be a vaccination case. This is gonna be a governance case, it's gonna be a regulatory case. When it gets to the Supreme Court, we have a court now that despite some of the discussion around it, they don't do a lot of tearing at regulatory things like this, but they might nibble around the edges of it some. I think it would probably be more along those lines. I don't think they're just gonna go in and overturn a Jacobson or something like that. Now, there is there is common reason to think that those things need to be revisited. Again, Jacobson's 116 years old. There was no FDA at the time, there was no OSHA, that was 1970. So of course these things should be up for judicial review from time to time. It needs to be litigated. How our government works should be litigated in court. That's how our system is set up. The problem is we're trying to jam all this policy stuff under emergency provisions in the meantime. And when you don't have really good messaging, which let's be honest, the Biden administration has not done a great job of. They tend to go more towards optics and fixes and then leave the kind of the messy end dangling a bit if you would. Uh, these things need to be tightened up because we don't. We are gonna have to wait on these courts. In the meantime, we still have the pandemic. Kids still have to go to school. People need job security. Part of the economic problems we're having right now is people are insecure in their jobs because of COVID. Things like this all go together. It needs to be settled and just sitting around waiting for the courts probably ain't the best way to do it. But unfortunately, that's where we're at. Until the court rules, we're gonna be fighting over this.
Yeah, uh, I agree 100% with that, brother. I appreciate you being on the show. You are a thoughtful thinker in what you believe. Um, I hope that more and more conservatives in particular listen to your message because you're right. This is more about preference than civil liberties. Um, this is more about uh, a judicial interpretation than it is about a temporary standard. So I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, sir. It was great talking to you. Absolutely, same here.